From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Wednesday edition, Texas Governor Greg Abbott made good on his promise from last week. Concerning the transportation by bus of migrants to Washington, D.C., I say I hereby direct the Texas Division of Emergency Management to begin coordinating the transportation of illegal aliens to Washington, D.C. The first bus from Texas dropped off about 40 illegal aliens at the Capitol earlier today. Washington Watch reporter Marjorie Jackson is on Capitol Hill. Hello, Tony. I am here just a few blocks from the U.S. Capitol, where earlier this morning a bus arrived from Del Rio, Texas, uh, with 40 migrants from various places in Central and South America, such as Nicaragua and Cuba and Venezuela. This is Texan Governor Abbott's response plan to President Biden saying that he is going to drop Trump-era Title 42 at the end of May. So Governor Abbott's plan is to bring the migrants that Biden allowed into the states. And in his words, he will be letting Biden deal personally with their needs. So actually, earlier today, I got to speak to a couple of the migrants that arrived in D.C. this morning, and they told me that they embarked on this 38-hour bus ride on Sunday morning, and several of them have plans to head to New York and Florida. Back to you, Tony. Well, thank you, Marjorie. Later, we'll talk with Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick about how border states intend to deal with the Biden border crisis. And border states like Texas are bracing for an even greater influx of illegal aliens with the lifting of the Title 42 pandemic restrictions. Ironically, while declaring the health emergency over at the border, the CDC today extended the mask requirement for domestic travel. So what they're trying to do is give a little bit more time to assess its potential impact. The rise of the cases have on severe disease, including hospitalizations and deaths and the health care system capacity. That was White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki about an hour ago. We'll talk with Oklahoma Congressman Mark Wayne Mullen. We'll also get the latest from Congressman Mullen on Oklahoma's pro-life bill signed into law yesterday by Governor Kevin Stitt that makes performing an abortion, including a chemically induced abortion, a felony in the Sooner State. And here is another pandemic the administration will want to mask. According to new data from the Center for Disease Control, sexually transmitted infections have hit a record high. According to CDC officials, they had hoped social distancing might reduce STI rates. Uh, Didn't work. Uh, What role does the sexualizing of our children play in the steady growth of sexually transmitted infections? I mean, you look at the policies of this administration and how they are focused on sex. Should we be surprised? We'll talk about all of this with Dr. Scott Field, board member of the American College of Pediatricians. In a not unrelated matter, the state of Florida has passed a measure aimed at the crisis of fatherhood. The Responsible Fatherhood Initiative, signed into law Monday by Governor Ron DeSantis, was a top legislative priority for the House Speaker, Chris Sprouse. Speaker Sprouse joins us later here on Washington Watch. Also, General Jerry Boykin will join me in studio to talk about what Family Research Council is doing to address the crisis of fatherhood 
in America. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there available for you, as well as contact information for our guests today. Our verse for today, coming from our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, is Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 8 through 10. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. You know, we don't have to chase a blessing when we're following God. His blessings chase us. I invite you to join us in our two-year Bible reading plan. Go to frc.org slash Bible. I also invite you to join me each morning at 8.44 a.m. Eastern Time for a daily devotional based on the daily reading plan. You can find it either at TonyPerkins.com or on my Facebook page. As I mentioned earlier today, the Center for Disease Control announced that it is extending the nationwide mask requirement for public transit. That was set to expire this coming Monday. This now will go until May the 3rd. Now, this is the same CDC that two weeks ago decided that it was about time to terminate Title 42, which was put in place to protect against the spread of COVID at the southern border. So is the pandemic over on our southern border, but still active everywhere everywhere else in the U.S.? Joining me now to talk about this and more is Congressman Mark Wayne Mullen. He serves on the House Energy and Commerce Committee, including the Subcommittee on Health. He represents the 2nd Congressional District of Oklahoma. Congressman Mullen, welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks for having me on. So uh, what's your take on the the CDC announcement today? Well, it's hypocrisy. Uh, you have the Democrats on one hand uh, claiming that uh, the uh, that the pandemic is winding down, and so they no longer need Title 42. Uh, and at the same time, they're extending the ban on on travel restrictions and making you wear a mask, which is you don't even have to wear a mask anymore in Washington D.C. or in the Capitol. And they're at, and they're also asking for 15 billion dollars of taxpayer dollars to continue to move towards uh, COVID relief. So it's all about uh, it's all about uh, uh, positioning themselves by control and they control by fear. So if they can control you by making for a mask, also control you by the way they think you're going to vote. But the the law requires for the administration to put in place such restrictions like this. They have to have justification. Um, what is the scientific support or justification for this extension, given that we're seeing hospital hospital rates decline. As you pointed out, most every place is moving away from these pandemic era restrictions. What's the justification for this? Well, Tony, it's all about following the science, remember? But in this case, it's about following political science. It doesn't really have to do with following science when it's based on anything except what they perceive is good for them. Uh, The the transportation area is the only place we're seeing the mass mandate stay in place because it's the mass movement of individuals. Nothing about it makes any sense. It doesn't make any sense why you're sitting on a plane and you can drop your mask, which I'm on I'm on four or five planes a week. You know, where you can drop your mask to eat and drink, and I guess for some reason you can't spread COVID while you're eating and drinking, uh, but you got to have it up the rest of the time. 
there, you know, there's no longer six foot distancing put in place. It's it's a hundred percent about optics, and that's all it is. It's about optics, and I believe it's about control too, because they have they have openly admitted to it that they're trying to ease the restriction out because they don't want to cause panic. Well, who are they trying? Who are they causing panic by? Because if you pull it. Most Americans at this point, over 70% Americans at this point, they don't want mask mandates. So you're going to, you're, you're, you're punishing the, the 70% for the 30% that feel unsafe. Well, that 30% can choose to wear a mask themselves if they want to without a mandate. They can also choose not to travel, but that's not how this, this, this administration works. This administration um, works by pandering to the few because they're the ones that are outspoken. I want to shift gears uh, to move to a piece of legislation signed into law yesterday by Governor Stitt. Uh, This would provide full protections for the unborn. And, of course, the left, not surprisingly, is up in arms over this. But quite frankly, this is what states have been doing. States increasingly over the last decade have been pushing laws to protect the unborn. What do you make of the developments there in uh, in Oklahoma that will protect the unborn even to the point of restricting chemical chemically induced abortions? Well, this is about saving people's lives. We're talking about saving 4,000 lives the first year this bill goes into place. Uh, I'm a father of six, and we have been very blessed to have, uh, as I say, three children that the, that the Lord bless us with. Uh, biologically, and three children that the Lord bless us with by allowing us to to to, um, to to bring them into our lives, and and so we're we're proud parents of of, of three adopted children to thank the Lord that the mother that gave birth to those children did so because we're able to love them and they love us back. And so when we're talking about a, a life, that's what we're talking about here: saving lives. This isn't about uh, stopping abortion. This is stopping the killing of a child as a child my wife and i we worked seven years literally tried for seven years to have children and we got uh, pregnant one time on our own and we were ex- extremely ec- ecstatic about it, tony and unfortunately we had a a late-term um uh, miscarriage and that wasn't just a miscarriage to us that was a death because when we went in the hospital and we didn't hear the heartbeat when we had to go in for a checkup that was devastating. Uh, it was a lot worse even on my wife because her body had already started going through a lot of changes than just me, but it was hard on both of us. And uh, and, and for someone to say that that's not a child, uh, to see what California is trying to propose now with the law they're trying to pass, it, is, it, it makes you sick to your stomach. And so when our state stands up and says, we're going to protect a life here, we're going to we're not going to allow this to happen. That makes me proud to be from Oklahoma. And I'm proud of our legislators for for uh, passing this legislation uh, on in the House and in the Senate and in, in, in Oklahoma City and putting it on the governor's desk and the governor that's willing to sign it. Yeah, I have to say, uh, I, 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 too, share in that having grown up in Oklahoma, you know, connected now to two very red states, uh, Oklahoma and Louisiana, I think, uh, of course, Oklahoma is uh, is or very the red. We're the reddest, yes. Yes, you're the reddest. I understand that you don't have to rub it in, but we're we're close. <laughs> we're not far behind. You know, it, it's I have to applaud the states for taking the initiative. You know, of course, we have the Dobbs case before the United States Supreme Court, anticipating a decision in that uh, very soon. That coming from Mississippi, where legislators were willing to do what they were told they couldn't do. 
And, right. and so I think what has happened is we've seen this this barrier, so to speak, has been broken and more states now are, I think, reflecting the will of the people that put them in office. Well, if you if you really go out and explain abortion, especially late term abortion, overwhelmingly, the American people um, are against it. Uh, and, and except when it comes to the uh, to the life of the mother. And to me, that is a very personal decision that someone has to make. And I I, I would tell you where my wife's decision would be. Um, and I would tell you where I think our decision would be. But that's a very tough decision for a family to make in that case. So when you start looking at individuals that have to make these these uh, um, these decisions that's in the state legislators, which once again, I, I commend them, which is why we need to really uh, push state rights even more, uh, which is why I love to see states stand up against the federal government and say, we have the right to do this. Um, I, it's once again, it's about saving lives. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, and Tony, I know you're a leader in this. You and I have spoke before. But it's hard to imagine how many leaders that never had a chance to lead, how many leaders we have lost in this country because of abortion. Yeah, it's it's amazing to me because, as I said, I've got three young people that live with us because their mothers chose not to abort them and they are loved and they are our kids. And I can't imagine having anybody else with us. And I'm telling you, those three as long as my other three, all six are going to be leaders. They're yeah. going to be leaders in their communities, and they're going to be leaders in this country. And it breaks my heart to think how many we've lost. And so when the right. states stand up for this, it, I, I'm telling you, I commend them, and I get excited about it. Because where the federal government has failed, our states are taking back You're control. Ab- absolutely right. Congressman, we've got to leave it there. Folks, stick around. We're coming back with more after this. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, It is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's Word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The Center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the Church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why Scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org slash subscriptions. 
At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website is TonyPerkins.com. As we uh, mentioned at the beginning of the program, the first uh, bus of illegal aliens who were released from federal custody in Texas arrived this morning here in Washington, D.C. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki has called Texas Governor Greg Abbott's busing strategy a publicity stunt. But the governor says this is about filling the gaps and keeping Texas safe as the federal government, quote, continues to turn a blind eye to the border crisis, end quote. And of course, the transportation of migrants to D.C. is not the only action Texas is taking. Here with me now to tell us more about what his state is doing in response to the Biden administration's decision to terminate Title 42 on May the 23rd is Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick of Texas. Uh, governor Patrick, welcome back to the program. Great to be with you, my friend. Great to be with you. And sorry, I couldn't be on your, your regular Zoom here. We had a, a three-hour church service today for a slain officer, and it was a great service in the memory of this young lady who was killed in the line of duty. And so, uh, But I'm pleased to join you. I was pleased to join you. Know, you always see the power of God, Tony, in these services. You always see the power of God and the strength of God and the hope uh, to get these families through. But it was a, a tough day for law enforcement. Yes, um, it is. I actually conducted a, a funeral for a law enforcement officer just a few weeks ago, and it's there's a time the community comes together, but a time of reflection of those things that are uh, most important. Uh, let's move to this issue of the border. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, to my knowledge, President Biden still has not visited the southern border. Is that right? No, you're right. Um, Joe Biden has not been here. And Kamala Harris made a joke of it by going to El Paso. And El Paso is uh, obviously a big border area, but it's not like the Rio Grande Valley. And, and when she went there, it was a photo op. She got off the plane. She met with some staff and, and uh, a couple of – yeah, I don't think she was on the ground more than 90 minutes and never really went anywhere near where illegal immigrants are passing. And, and Tony, this for, – for your audience to understand the, the – the, breadth of this issue, that how it will impact the future of America. I was on Fox last week and, and talked about the fact that by the end of the first term of Biden, we could be close to having one out of every five people living in America being here illegally. That's 20 percent. If you go back to 1990 through 2021, we had about 30 million people apprehended. These are Border Patrol statistics. And, you know, most law enforcement will tell you we get one out of two or three. 
I use a low number, one out of one. So that's 30 times two is 60 million people. Plus the gotaways, those are the ones we see on camera, but we can't catch because by the time we get there, they're gone because we have a 1,200-mile border. And when you add up all these numbers and you take out the 8 million we deported and you take out the 20 million that have gone back on their own over 30 years, um, you're still looking at somewhere near 38 million people that are here. And then you look at the Biden administration. When he repeals Title 42, Tony, we're we're, we're uh, projecting that that's another 10 and a half million people that will come in during the next three years. And again, if we catch one for everyone that gets away, that's 21 million people. And you add that to 38 million there, you're close to 60 million, 20 percent. So 20 percent of the population here illegally, not with our values, um, many not educated. You know, we put them into our school system. They're two and three grade levels behind. You can't put a 15-year-old in the fourth grade. They drop out of school. They crowd our emergency rooms. They take jobs away from Americans. And the tr- and the truth is, what do they do when they get here? Because without a Social Security number, you're, you really can't work. So the Biden administration, Tony, will be the next move you'll see soon in the next year. Give everyone a green card. And that's the pathway to citizenship with this pathway to voting. And then you have, you know, in the next decade or so, you have, you know, 30, 40 million voters, many of them that uh, will want to vote Democrat because he's the one who brought them here. Is that the bigger strategy here that the left is pursuing? Is this about the elections? Absolutely. Nothing but the election. Here's what's interesting, Tony, and you bring up a great point. I think many people um, saw in Texas this year that we had last session, we had multiple sessions. And the, and the big story that the the Democrats left and, and broke quorum and went to Washington for a couple of months in the summer. Well, think about this, Tony. We had a remarkable conservative session. Uh, first of all, we passed the heartbeat bill, which has reduced abortions in Texas by 60 to 70 percent. We've saved about 30,000 babies' lives just since that bill became law in September. Did they leave over that? No. We passed the bill to stop boys from playing girls' sports. Did they leave and go to Washington over that? No. Um, we passed election integrity. Uh, so that it's easy to vote and harder to cheat. That's what they left for. That's what they didn't want to pass. They want to control the elections and make this a one-party country, and that's what's going on. Look, this if, if you look at another side of it, Tony, as, as Christians and just Americans, um, we shouldn't want people to come to America in the back of a 18-wheeler where they suffocate. We shouldn't want these children and women being sex trafficked because we don't know who they are. We don't know where they're being sent. Uh, we we had one Baptist organization in San Antonio that was doing a great job of taking care of some of these kids. They got so annoyed uh, and so concerned about what the Biden administration was doing of sending kids to anywhere that th- they closed shop because they don't want to be a part of what could be sex trafficking. This is inhumane to people coming here. Uh, it's dangerous. Um, we're, we're creating indentured servants because many of these people pay the or guarantee the cartel they'll pay them their five or eight thousand dollars once they and they don't have that kind of money, so they make a down payment and then they send their wages back. If they don't send their wages back, then their families are threatened. No, this is for the president not to know what's going on. Um, it's either negligence, stupidity, or the plan. It's the plan. And these policies are enticing people to uh, to come across the border, putting them at risk, not to mention the drugs and the other items yes. that are coming across our border that put our citizens at risk as well. Yep. The fentanyl has become the number one killer of people 25 to 40 in America. It's coming across in waves. And, you know, I said earlier when I gave you those stats, you know, we've, we've apprehended – last year we apprehended – we normally apprehended about 450,000 a year. 
it was two million roughly, uh, plus the gotaways, another several hundred thousand, plus the ones we don't know. But what the cartels do, Tony, is they cram all of our ports of entry to where all our border patrol has time to do is process and put people on buses or airplanes and send them all over the country in the middle. Right? They don't have time to actually work the border. Right. So the cartels send these families and, and a lot of single adults into big areas, and then they have the rest of the 1,200-mile border to do what they want, bring across contraband and, right. and, and people. And they make as much money from people as they do contraband now, according to some in law enforcement. And, and Tony, we're doing the best we can. We normally, when I became lieutenant governor in 2015, uh, we increased our, our border funding to $400 million a year. Uh, this year we'll spend $4 billion, Tony, close to $4 billion, because yeah. we have the National Guard there, we have our troopers there, uh, more assets, more cameras, more everything. And, and it's but a, until you get a it, federal government to help you, the border's open. Right. It's a federal issue. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, i got to leave it there. We're out of time. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. On Monday, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed into law HB 7065, a first-of-its-kind piece of legislation that addresses the root cause of the challenges facing many children today. It encourages, it encourages responsible and involved fatherhood through programs, campaigns, and support for nonprofit organizations involved in fatherhood development. Here with me now to talk about Florida's groundbreaking legislation is the Speaker of the Florida House, Chris Sprouse, who uh, has been drawing attention to the fatherhood crisis and helped drive this piece of legislation through. Speaker Sprouse, welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks, Tony. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me, and thanks for highlighting this important topic. 
But let me uh, let me jump right to this. What was the motivation for you to be the driver behind this legislation? This is, as I understand, one of your top priorities for the session. It is. Well, you know, it all started a number of years ago. I was a gang and homicide prosecutor for, for seven years. And as you know, Tony, when you look at folks who, who are in gangs, who commit these kinds of crimes, whether you, you expand out from that and you look at suicide rates, depression, uh, drug abuse, incarceration, really any ill you can think of in society, the single most uniting statistical factor of those things is an absent father. And when you look at that as a, as a, a certainly as a person, as a lawmaker, you think to yourselves, here's this one uniting thing that is impacting in our community in such a, in such a huge way. And, and really, there is no sort of government movement uh, to address it. So when I was going to be designated speaker a couple of years ago, I talked about this in my speech, said we needed to address it. Um, I'm proud to say in this bill, as you mentioned, Governor Santos signed the other day, which really is the, is the largest, I think, effort of any state in the country to, to tackle this issue by lifting up community groups um, that are throughout the state of Florida who are tackling fatherlessness. Uh, some of them do it with, you know, middle-class dads. Others are doing it with dads who are coming out of prison, um, divorced families. There's a whole different host of organizations who are doing this. We're going to lift them up. Um, we're going to make sure they have the tools necessary uh, to succeed. And we're going to begin to measure. You know, you measure what you care about mm-hmm. and begin to measure the impact that these dollars are going to have in the community to tackle the fatherlessness crisis uh, here in the state of Florida. And we hope to ultimately be a blueprint for the country. Yeah. when Back when I was in the Louisiana legislature, it's, it's been about uh, – I don't know, it's been a while back, back in the late 90s when I authored the nation's first covenant marriage law, I looked at a lot of the social pathologies at that time that was connected to the absence of, uh, you know, strong, intact families and the impact that had upon children, incarceration rates. Uh, we, we saw it in terms of drug use, all of the, all of the pathologies. The situation's only grown worse what type of support are you getting there within the the faith community, within the nonprofit sector of, of supporting this legislation? It's sort of like awakening a sleeping giant, I think, Tony, and, and the best way possible. I, I think when we started talking about this, um, you know, we, when we initially talked about it, there were some members, uh, Republicans and Democrats, who expressed significant interest, and, and there is this scene that uh, right before we went and voted on the bill where we had Republicans, Democrats, white, black, male, female on the steps of the old Capitol in Florida um, championing this bill right before we, you know, we, we go into the Capitol and, and, and support it. It was unanimous throughout the legislature. And then the community support, the organizations who've reached out, both the ones who are in the fatherlessness fight and those who aren't but feel the impacts and the people that they're serving, um, our church community, uh, you know, has, is leaning into it. Many of them support these organizations and want to find ways to do it. And we have these great champions, you know, folks like Coach Tony Junji or or Jack Brewer, who played in the NFL, all who have who've, you know, kind of lent their, their time, their talent, their platform uh, to raising the spectrum of fatherlessness throughout the country um, as an epidemic and an issue that's impacting our families and our communities. And if this is the issue that we believe it is, and you're absolutely right on all the statistics, and I challenge anyone to find statistics that say the opposite, but the reality is that a present father in a home is more likely to allow a person to grow up, to not suffer from depression or drug abuse or be incarcerated, um, and to have a successful life. They're more likely to have a job or go to college or get married and have their own children. Uh, so, you know, this is a, a movement of our time. And I think, Tony, it, we are at this unique inflection point in our, in our country's history where I believe that people are hungry 
for this moment in a way that they haven't been hungry before because they're seeing the impacts throughout the country. So we hope this is sort of ignites the flame um, of, the, of the torch that's going to burn bright across the country. I think you're absolutely right. I do think, and I think tech, or I think, well, Texas, I was just talking with the Lieutenant Governor from Texas, Florida, uh, two states in particular that are providing leadership on such critical issues. And I know uh, you are part of the leadership team there in Florida, so I commend you uh, on a number of measures, including protecting the rights of parents, but acknowledging what many on the left do not want to acknowledge, that children need a father. And the evidence is overwhelming. And, and the failure of the left's ideology is seen throughout society. And it's it's time we return to the basics. Kids need a mom and a dad. And a dad is not, uh, you know, a, an unnecessary accessory. Uh, he's an essential element of, uh, of childhood. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, it's sort of, you know, it's been interesting to see sort of the, you know, some of the kind of trolls on this issue when it comes to saying, well, gosh, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to lift up fathers to the expense of mothers. Gosh, nothing could be further yeah. from the truth. I mean, the reality, the opposite is true. What we're, what we're acknowledging is that when there is an absent parent, if there's one absent parent in a child's life, the statistics are overwhelming that it is most likely to be a father. Right. It's not always. People have been raised by a single dad, have, have amazing lives, but the reality is there are millions of children who grow up in a home without a father. And we know if we can solve for that one part of the, the equation, if we can help solve for that one part of the equation, we could save that child's life. We could set them up on a pathway um, to success that they're going to be far more likely to achieve it. So it, it's worth fighting for. It absolutely is. And again, uh, Speaker Sprouse, I uh, commend you for your leadership on this. And thanks for joining us today to talk about it. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, stick with us. We're coming back on the other side of the break with a new crisis in America, but one that Biden administration probably won't talk about. That's next. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. 
to access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted. Go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students. Are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12- to 15-week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Be sure and check out uh, the website. But one thing that has become crystal clear during this COVID pandemic is that the CDC is not so good at walking and chewing gum at the same time. While it's been laser focused on so-called preventing the spread of one disease, COVID, it has let others run rampant under the radar. But maybe that's intentional. Take, for instance, a new report out from the CDC showing that sexually transmitted diseases continue to surge. In fact, I think we're seven years running with record rates, even during the pandemic. Now, these are diseases, of course, that require close human contact, less than six six feet. So I guess social distancing didn't work out here. Joining me now to discuss this apparent cognitive dissonance is uh, Dr. Scott Field, a board member of the American College of Pediatricians and an expert in infectious diseases. Uh, Dr. Field, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you for having me. Uh, All right. Let me uh, ask you this question. Did the apparent rise in STDs during the COVID pandemic surprise you? Uh, It surprised me a little. It actually went down the first few months with uh, lockdowns, but but it's gone up since then. And that doesn't surprise me. Is there a, I mean, we're looking now at record rates of uh, STDs, and this is not the first year. Uh, this, if, I'm, if my calculations are correct, this is like seven years running where we're setting new records with each year. Is, I mean, Let me just quote from the CDC. The CDC blames these rates on COVID and the fact that they had to direct so much of their resources to COVID. And had they not had to deal with COVID, they could have dealt with this. But that's inconsistent with what we've seen over the last seven years. We haven't been fighting COVID for seven years. Uh, I agree. Uh, It's not not because of uh, COVID, but because of the policies uh, and the emphasis uh, away from uh, sexual fidelity. I mean, when you have policies uh, like from this administration that is focused so heavily on identifying people by their sexuality, I mean, we're we're seeing children sexualized at earlier and earlier ages. I mean, you know, we, we saw the dust up in Florida where we had the parental rights bill that simply said, look, 
we don't want children in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and third grade to being taught about transgenderism and all these sexual aspects of life. Give them a little bit of time to learn to write and tie their shoes. Uh, Is that a part of this? Uh, Definitely. And I agree with the approach in Florida that's taken. What is the solution here? I mean, obviously, when you start to look at the price tag associated with this, I think we're looking at about $18 billion a year annually in the medical costs associated with the sexually transmitted diseases. And according to last year's numbers, uh, one out of every five Americans has an STD. Uh, what are we going to have to do to get to the, to, the, to the heart of the matter? I think uh, CDC needs to do like they've done with smoking and uh, uh, work on uh, reducing the risk. Uh, so if the STDs are a possibility just because people are having sex with more than one person, that's what they need to put their emphasis on. They need to stop the sexual promiscuity that's going on. So this would be a justification for a, uh, a what many states have pursued in years past, abstinence training and, and education. We, we encourage children, young people, to put off uh, sexual behavior. We encourage parents to have those conversations with their kids, lay out for them the evidence that shows all of the problems related to this and that there is really no way There's really no way to have sex outside of a monogamous relationship safely. That's true. If if everybody did uh, the monogamous uh, sex only, there would not be any STDs. Yeah, it would get to to the heart of the matter pretty quickly. Uh, Dr. Field, I want to thank you for uh, for joining us. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll see more doctors and uh, clinicians that will speak to the heart of this matter and affecting public policy because our policies affect our behavior. Well, thank you very much. Well, folks, you know, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, policies. Our policies do influence our behavior. We're talking uh, with uh, Congressman Mullen about the abortion issue, about the life issue, and the fact that the laws that we pass, either they either encourage or discourage certain behaviors. You know, Paul talked about this, speaking of the Old Testament law. He said it's a tutor. The law is a tutor. Well, that's what the law is. The law tells us what's acceptable. And when we have an administration that almost every day is talking about transgenderism and talking about all, all kinds of LGBTQ issues, identifying people solely by their sexuality, should we be surprised that children are engaging in early sexual activity leading to sexually transmitted diseases? i tell you one thing that would stop this, or at least help take a big part of the problem off the table, that is fathers who are engaged. And joining me now to return to our conversation about fatherhood is our own Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, Executive Vice President here at the Family Research Council. General, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you, Tony. I'm glad to be with you. Shifting gears here, not talking about Ukraine today, but talking more about men, because that's one of the big ministries of the Family Research Council, 
is our Stand Courageous Men's Ministry. And we've been talking about this for a number of years. You've been talking about it since you uh, retired from the United States Army. Many of the issues we face today in our culture and in our country could be eliminated if men having the proper relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ would step up in their homes and provide the leadership. I don't think there's any question about that, Tony. And uh, we certainly have found that through our uh, through our studies here. And, and remember, several years ago when uh, Dr. Pat Fagan was here, he did uh, some really detailed research on on what was necessary for a community to have a uh, a low high school. I mean, a high school graduation rate, low crime rates, good economy, and good personal health. And the single most important thing was an intact family yeah. with, with a father in the home. Now, I think what Florida is doing in, in time is going to pay them tremendous dividends, and I think that uh, I wish that we could get other states to do the same thing. Isn't it telling, though, about the, the left? And they've, they've been critical of Tony Dungy standing up there mm-hmm. uh, beside uh, Governor DeSantis, uh, mm-hmm. critical of this focus on fathers saying, well, you know, fathers, well, what about the mothers? Nobody's saying mothers are not important. But look, let's just be, I, I, look, we speak the truth. Right. Men are essential. God made men to be leaders in their home, to be the fathers of their children. They need mothers too. But they can't, they can't fully, especially young boys, can't understand and develop their masculinity without a man in the home. Yeah, that's right. And 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 look, the the, the left is having trouble uh understanding that God created man and woman with different roles in our society and different body parts. And different body parts yeah. and different roles in the home. And uh and they just cannot come to grips with that that they're look, I know a lot of women that have raised children by themselves and and a lot of those children have just done very very well. But that's that's not the norm. You just heard the statistics from Speaker Sprouls, uh, drug abuse, uh, incarceration, and all of those things, suicide. Right. You need that man in the home yeah, to provide it, guidance. It, and one of the things we need to be very clear about, you don't make public policy based upon the exception. You base it upon the norm. So there are many people who will do well. And, and, and we know we both know people like that. And, and I applaud them. But it takes a lot of work. And any one of those single mothers would tell you it is difficult. And in and, and many cases, there is a male figure somewhere that's involved in the life of uh, that child. But this is a, there, there's a bigger battle here. And it is a it's something we talk about in our Stand Courageous conferences. It, there is a disdain for masculinity. Yes. And it is under attack in our country. It is absolutely under attack, and, and it's all part of this whole movement that you see in America to, to degrade and denigrate us as a nation, to uh, make uh, the next generation not proud to be Americans, to uh, really to, to bring us down as a nation. But 
what you're seeing is that uh, they're going after the families, and specifically they're going after the men. And what are they doing? They are getting men hooked on all kinds of nonsense, and it's not just drugs or alcohol. It's pornography. It's gambling. It's a variety of things. Distracting them from their role as the leader of the home. Now, I'll ask you this question using a military analogy. If you're in a, a battle... And we're seeing this actually in Ukraine play out. Yeah. Uh, who are the Ukrainian targeting when it comes to the Russian troops? Who are they targeting? Oh, they're targeting. Well, they're targeting both. They're targeting the officers, the leadership, because if they can bring the leadership down, that throws everybody else into total chaos. Command and control. Right. You, you want to take out the command and control. You want to take out the leaders and their ability to communicate. Right. And if you take the father out of the home, mm-hmm. you've created chaos. And we're right. seeing that social chaos. Or if you distract them, as you're just talking about with all these other things, pornography, gambling, television. Yeah, sure. You are breaking down the communication within the home. There's no question about it. And uh, as, we, as we go around and do these men's conferences here and, and have the opportunities to talk to the pastors that are counseling people every day, but also... Uh, to get up close and personal with these men that come to these conferences, I think what we're finding is that these men are so distracted by so many different things, and quite frankly, they're reaching a point that I think that they realize that it is dangerous, that it's hurting their family, it's hurting the people around them, and, uh, and they are delighted, I think, when we have one of these conferences, to be able to unload some of that. And we have a conference coming up in uh, in North Carolina. Yeah, we do. We have a conference on the 6th and 7th of May in High Point, North Carolina. And uh, it is at the uh, Green Street Baptist Church. And we start Friday night at 6 o'clock, and we'll go uh, Saturday until about uh, about 4 o'clock. So uh, it'll be Saturday, Friday night, and then we'll come back Saturday, reconvene on Saturday about 8 o'clock, I think, and, and we'll have a good conference there. I am looking forward to it. I'm excited because we've had some uh, good interface with the pastors down in that uh, community there, and I'm expecting them to show up uh, eager, yeah, eager for the word. StandCourageous.com is the website. You can register there, find out more about the Stand Courageous ministry here at the Family Research Council. And there's more resources there at the website uh, than just information about the conference. Yeah, there is. Uh, Please go to to Stand Courageous, uh, to our website. And you can find it on FRC. If you you can't remember anything else, go on the FRC website, and you can find the Stand Courageous embedded in that. But uh, there are things there like coaching videos. Tony and I sit down on the side of a mountain up in the mountains of Virginia, and we talk about things that matter to the men. I mean, we talk directly to the men. And uh, Stu Weber and I uh, talk and, and, uh, about this, a lot of things that are important to men. And then we've got coaching videos. We've got devotionals. We've got all kinds of things there that will be of use to you as a man and uh, ladies. Why don't you uh, encourage your husband to go into this website and look at the resources there and see if he finds something that he's interested in that will help him to be a better husband and father. You know, some people have asked, well, you're a public policy organization in Washington, D.C. What are you doing doing men's conferences focused on the spiritual nature of manhood? Well, the bottom line is, General, you and I have talked about this. If we could get the men... yeah 
in proper relationship with the Lord, leading their homes, which is counterculture today, mm-hmm. we could solve about 80% of the policy issues we deal with here in Washington, D.C.? Well, that's exactly right. And what the, uh, what the feminist movement is trying to do is tell us there's no difference between a man and a woman. And uh, that's why we're having such a struggle in this country now with uh, men wanting to compete against women and, and claim that they're actually women. And it, it, this is so off track. It is so derailed in terms of what it's done to our society. It is hurting our society in a way that people don't even realize because they're, they have become so woke yeah. that they're far more focused on being woke than they are about the health of our society. Well, and, and we don't have time for this conversation today because we're almost out of time. But long-term implications for a nation being able to defend itself when we've emasculated mm-hmm. warriors. Yeah. We're not raising men to be brave, to be warriors, to be courageous. We're, uh, we're raising them to be, to be effeminate, to be woke. And when we have this conference here, one of the first things you and I are going to tell these men the first night is we're going to say, first of all, we're no different than you are. Secondly, when you came out of the womb, you were born to be a warrior. Now figure out how you're going to do that. We've got stuff that will help you. Yeah, and it is a uh, politically incorrect free zone. Right. We, uh, we, don't, uh, we, don't, we don't tolerate any of that stuff. General, good to see you. Thanks so much <laughs> for joining us. Good to be us. here, Tony. And, folks, thank you for joining us as well. Check out the website, StandCourageous.com, and make plans, men, if you're in the area, to join us at one of the upcoming conferences. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.